So the kid from the Silver Spoon left the million dollar beach house and drove to the grocery store and could only afford a loaf of bread and peanut butter. I couldn't buy a brand name peanut butter. I couldn't buy jelly to go with it. I had to walk in there and talk about a humbling experience with a bag of change to buy bread and peanut butter. So if, if you think back on that now, how did that make you feel, looking back as an older adult? <sighs> Humiliating. Yeah. Humiliating. But I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that my family's name for all those years I thought was what would help me to be successful in life. And I realized that moment that my family's name didn't really mean anything. If I was gonna be successful in life, it was because I was gonna have to work my ass off for it. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Rawlings, cheers. Pick up your water, I need to get a water over there. I appreciate being here, man. Glad to be here, buddy. You got on your plane, you flew up at like, what time was it? You texted me like, hey, I'm heading to the airport. You were down in Maryland. What time was that? About five o'clock. Five o'clock? Yep. Takes me out of a 40-minute flight. No smoke? A little bit of smoke, man. A little bit of smoke. I figure it was the heat from your podcast. It, uh, <laughs> I said that Fireside was running a big Fireside camp in Canada, and we burned half the woods down. That's but. what I heard, man. That's what they told me on the radio. Uh, I don't know what's going on. The cabal's trying to stop me. We made it happen. We made it happen. So you're a guy that has uh, persevered through a lot. A lot. Fireside America, for your friends that are going to watch this, which are a lot of them that you work closely with, this podcast is about turning around and helping the next guy or girl in line. And uh, your story is unique. Um, your story is also similar to mine in many fashions. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about your story tonight. And I truly appreciate you being here. Like Absolutely, you're a busy man. guy. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Really. Cheers. Thank you. Again. The water bottle. So, so Moorhead City. Let's talk about Moorhead City a little bit. Moorhead City. Tell me what you think about it. What do you love man, about it? Man, I, uh, I grew up in a small town on the coast. Uh, went through kind of an interesting childhood. So... Maybe we can start there. I'll tell you a little yeah, bit about what there, took please. me to, to Moorhead City. So I grew up in a, uh, a very unique family. My uh, grandfather was very wealthy. My father was very successful. Um, I lived a childhood that probably most people would dream of. I never wanted for anything. Uh, my family was very, very wealthy. Uh, best of everything. Parents had seven or eight cars between the two of them. Um, I tell people it was a warped sense of reality. I didn't understand back then what true life was all about. Uh, fast forward a little bit to middle school. Last day of middle school, my mom picks me up and uh, my brother was in the car. My mom was upset. And I said, Mom, what's going on? And she said, me and your dad are separating and we're moving down to the beach. Last day of middle school. Didn't even get to go home first. So we took off, go down to uh, Moorhead City of all places. We had a beach house down there, so we went to the beach. And uh, fast forward just a little bit more, my mom and I didn't get along great, and so she kicked me out at 15. Uh, wouldn't even give me a ride anywhere. So walked to my father's where he was living. My mom had pretty much taken my dad for everything he had. 
So my dad was living in my grandmother's beach house. So uh, 15 years old, moved in with my dad. My dad had definitely been through a lot. Uh, successful contractor, successful business, successful family, and had nothing. So probably the biggest turning point in my life, uh, I was 15 or 16 years old, living in this, you know, back then, I'm 48, so this is a long time ago, in a million-dollar beach house on the water. My dad comes home, and he goes, I need your help. I said, yes, sir, what do you need? He goes, we need to roll some change. Okay. I didn't know how bad my dad had it. I knew things were difficult. But, you know, again, warped sense of reality. I had a different childhood. Yeah. Uh, my parents didn't really raise me. We had a maid. We had a live-in maid that raised me. Um, so he dumps out change on the floor, and we rolled change. I said, Dad, what are we going to do with it now? He said, we got to go buy groceries. So the kid from the Silver Spoon left the million-dollar beach house and drove to the grocery store and could only afford a loaf of bread and peanut butter. I couldn't buy a brand name peanut butter. I couldn't buy jelly to go with it. I had to walk in there and talk about a humbling experience with a bag of change to buy bread and peanut butter. So if, if you think back on that now, how did that make you feel, looking back as an older adult? <sighs> Humiliating. Yeah. Humiliating. But I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that my family's name for all those years I thought was what would help me to be successful in life. And I realized that moment that my family's name didn't really mean anything. If I was going to be successful in life, it was because I was going to have to work my ass off for it. At 15, how do you have that mind shift? <laughs> it really was just a slap in the face. Reality hit me very, very hard. Um, struggled in school. You know, I was never really a school guy. Um, worked some odd jobs here and there. But reality just slapped me. I mean, it, it was, I'm telling you, it was the most, I will never forget that experience of walking into that grocery store with that bag of change. So you heard my story at the event where I talked about, uh, you know, going to field day and those guys making fun of my fake sneakers or pulling up at the practice in a really shitty car. That stuff makes an impression on you as a, as a young individual. Uh, they call it trauma, I guess, in the, you know, psychology world. <laughs> but uh, I think guys like you and I find a way to, like, chew on that and be like, all right, you know, yeah. it is what it was. And uh, we're going to find a way to win to make sure that our kids don't feel that way. Yeah. So moving your story along a little bit more, uh, you obviously didn't do well in school, as you mentioned. Didn't like school. And nope. uh, you, like me, were removed. I was asked to leave. You were asked to leave. Yep. I talk about it as a mutual separation. Probably uh, more politically correct, but... Uh, you know, Brick Township Schoolship would like to... Uh, you know, take credit for kicking me out, but I think that I left. I don't think it was more of a kick out. Right. You, uh, junior year, right? Or junior sophomore? year. Junior, junior year. year. Yep. Same. Yep. Junior year. Yep. yep. That's yep. our friends, right? That's right. That's right. I think we, we noted that right off the get-go. So junior year, you're 17, 18 years old, Max. What were you thinking? What were you doing? So the, the memory of, of rolling that change was still fresh in my mind. And, uh, 
I knew that uh, my family name wasn't going to help me. I knew I had to work. And so even though I was still in high school, I had started trying to find what I was going to do. You know, I was, I was always wanting to hustle. I was always wanting to, I was always wanting more. And so, uh, I was into cars, car stereos, that kind of stuff. And so I reached out to a guy uh, that had a car stereo shop in town and I asked, Hey man, are you, you know, are you hiring? Are you looking for anybody? And he said, no. And I said, well, what if you don't pay me? What if you just let me come up here and you just teach me what you know? And how old were you? I was probably, I was still in school at the times. I was probably 17. Um, He said, if you're dumb enough to come work for free, then I'll teach you everything I know. I said, great. Uh, Deal. So when when I was asked to leave school, I immediately went over there and started working. And uh, by the way, going back to the school story, when I left school, I don't know what they told you, but they told me I would never amount to shit in life. I'll never forget those words. They didn't actually say that, most of them. What they, uh, they just had mannerisms that, like, you know, I was a loser. Or, like, you know, you don't want to listen to our authority. I'm not mad at any of those teachers or principals or admin. All I know is that at times I make, you know, their salary in one month, uh, if not double or triple. Yeah. And uh, numbers matter. That's yeah. not an arrogant statement. Uh, when you believe in yourself uh, above what the system tells you you should be, you're going to fucking hit those bogeys. Yeah. And you're going to hit those targets. Absolutely. And you're doing that. <laughs> we could talk about that from <laughs> many different fashions. Yeah. And you're an inspiration to a lot of people if more people hear your story. Yeah. Man, I, you know, I'm so thankful for the story. And, and every day when I go to my office, my office happens to face the high school. So every day when I walk into my office, I look back over my shoulder and I look at the office and I remember exactly what it felt like that day when I was asked to leave and I was told I would never amount to anything. Um, But I use it as inspiration. Real quick to the administrators in the programs. uh, Recently, I made a comment on Instagram. I said uh, most student leaders or public school leaders uh, aren't doing the right things. And I had a a leader locally reach out to me and say, how could you say that? Blah, 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 blah. And I told him it's not your problem. It's above you. And uh, that person probably thought that saying that to you was the right thing because that's what he was taught. But he was only taught the system that he was built in. Yeah, yeah. And the system that they're all building in the school system is broken. Uh, I'm not mad or offended by any of them that ever said any of that to me. And uh, I don't think you are either. No, no. I think but it's helped me be who I am today. It put a chip. Yep. Absolutely. It put the right chip in, in the right way. Brian Dawkins' uh, retirement speech is a powerful one. And he talks a lot about depression. I'm not saying I'm depressed, but he talks about perseverance and uh, believing in where you're going and allowing that uh, the hater fuel to really, you know, charge where you're trying to go. Yeah. I think for me, you know, I have so many people ask me all the time, what helps drive you? It's because I know I'm always capable of more. Yeah. And, and it You're just not beat me. No, no, no. Um, you might be smarter than me, but you're not going to work harder than me. Yeah. And, and I've just, I've always had that mentality. I'm always, I know that I'm capable of more. So every morning I wake up, I realize I'm capable of more and it just pushes me to do more and more and more and more and more. So you went into this job, young guy. When did you start to say like, Hey, I want to be my own business owner. <laughs> 
It's kind of interesting. Uh, it wasn't even my choice. So I asked the guy when I asked him to, to let me work there for free, I said, what's the one thing that people don't want to do here? And he goes, install car alarms. Everybody hates it. I said, okay, cool. I'll do that. So I was in the back installing car alarms. I had no idea that I would build a career out of anything at that point. I was just, I wanted to work. I wanted to learn something. And I knew I had to make a shift. One day he comes up to me and he goes, you know, I've never seen anybody that's willing to do something like this. He goes, do you ever think about being a sales guy? And I said, can you make more money as a sales guy than an installer? He goes, oh yeah, you can make a lot more money. I said, okay, sign me up. I'll do that. Will you teach me everything you know? Absolutely. So the business owner took me under his wing, my original business mentor, and taught me everything about business. It all started when I was that young, when I was that hungry, and probably a year after he began to teach me all this, uh, he went through some, some family troubles and he wasn't there. And I was a young guy running a business, learning every ounce, every inch of that business because I didn't have a choice. There was nobody else there. As a young guy, let's say you're 18. What, what did you learn most? You start to run a business. You start to say like, all right, I, I need to like do some marketing. <laughs> I need to grab some people in here. I need to get some checks. What were you learning at that time most? I think most, the probably the most important thing I was learning was just being diligent. You know, you, you've got to be consistent. You've got to, you've got to do the right Show things up. every day. Absolutely, absolutely. And from there, where did you start to say, like, hey, I want something bigger? So uh, I had a very successful stint at the stereo shop and then a manufacturer hired me and I began to travel around and train other salespeople for a manufacturer. Um, and what was then, the company? Uh, back then it was uh, called Custom Audio. They were out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so I was a young guy traveling around training sales guys. Good it, life. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Making a lot of money. Um, what were you making back then? Uh, 100, 100 grand, a little over 100 grand a year. But I mean, as a 20-year-old, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you're pumped. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So I had a great, great stint doing that. And then I got into the boating industry, being from the beach, growing up around boats. My dad was a boat builder. Um, Got into the boating industry. Not race boats, I wish. (laughs) But but fishing boats. And so I was able to get into the marine electronics business. And that's where I built probably a good portion of my career before I got into consulting. What exactly did you do? Sold marine electronics. So we They're did fucking expensive. Hundred thousand multi, I mean big boats, lots of electronics. Lots. We of got money. a captain here, Phil. I mean he um, knows what absolutely. those things cost. Big money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. What type of boats did your family build? Or so my dad was a custom boat builder down in North Carolina. There's a lot of tradition down there, so I grew up on the water. Um, uh, he owned a company called Lightning Yachts, and so we built really fast custom built sport fishing boats. No shit. Yep. When did you hook him with the boat racing world? Is that later? Uh, so our mutual friend, Jeff McCann, down at mm-hmm. Jackson in Moorhead City. Uh, Jeff, Je- I've known Jeff forever. Jeff knows Uncle Val. Jeff knows everybody. Everybody knows Uncle Val. <laughs> knows I'll leave everybody. it there. <laughs> so uh, so Jeff, Jeff always into performance boating. And, and I, you know, being in North Carolina, everybody knows Fountain. You know, being right there, Reggie Fountain in mm-hmm. Little Washington. And so makes a great race boat. Just loved it, man. I've always always been a you know addicted to speed. Anything pumps the adrenaline. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great sport. It's also a deadly sport, um, especially recently. Yeah. yeah, you know, spinning it back to my world a little bit. It's about you, but 
I learned about financial services through Dave Rabe, who died literally directly out from where we sit today on the ocean in Bayhead uh, on a turn. Uh, it didn't go well. Uh, he's the guy that got me into the financial services business, and that was through the race community. Um, it's, an, it's an awesome community. It's fun. Um, it's definitely life or death every time those Absolutely. guys go out there. You can race dirt bikes. You can race quads, NASCAR. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, is living their life on the edge like the guys who, who race boats. It's pretty gnarly. Have you it ever is. been in a, a boat doing over like 90? Yes. Yeah. And hitting it's, some turns over amazing. some shop. It's amazing. It's, it's insane. It's, it is. It's Scary. the best feeling you, you have ever felt. Other than flying. I've never flown it, so. <laughs> we'll have to fix I'm that. I'm stuck on a commercial. i got to get in your plane, man. That's right. we got to fix that. Fly me back down to Maryland. There you go. We'll get buzz around. Yeah. Those guys need some Patriot payments. They, they do. They do. We'll have to work that out. So at that point in your life, what were you thinking? Man, I, I began to think bigger. You know, one thing, I, I love the town I'm from, but there's a big small town mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, the people I went to school with are doing the same thing they did back then. And uh, that was probably... Nothing wrong with that either. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's what you want out of life, then that's yep. great. I just always knew that I was capable more and I always wanted more. Did you ever think that wealth that you were from, you remembered that and they'd be like, hey, I don't want to lose this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, once you taste that success, you always want it back. Yep. So uh, I just knew that that if I was going to be successful, I had to work my ass off and it probably wasn't going to be something local. So I always looked bigger and better in other places. Um, you know, it's an interesting career. Like I said, I've never, never written a resume, never looked for a job. I've never filled out an application. I couldn't tell you how to do that. I've never had to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been hired. Uh, I worked myself out of a job and somebody else hires me. And then of course I got into consulting and that just kind of builds. And so, um, it's amazing. It's been a great career. Very thankful for it. So when you jump from that world on you know, into the consulting world, what was your first gig? Uh, the first gig was uh, a buddy of mine hired me to come in and fix his company. Uh, what, I was a young how old, guy. Uh, how old were you? Oh, God, I don't remember. I'm 48, man. My memory's great, but it's short. I'm just trying to give the people a timeline. This was probably, when I jumped into the consulting world, it was probably 12 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So... Um, he was a young guy at a great company, uh, was doing a decent amount of revenue, but he knew there was a lot more opportunity. So he had a 4,000 square foot shop, about eight employees. He asked me to come help him. And so I came a few weeks into it. He was like, man, I'd, I'd love for you to be here a lot more. And I was like, man, I don't know. I'm down on the coast of North Carolina. You're, you know, in the middle part of the state. Um, things happened in my life where it worked out to where it made sense. And so I said, let's build this thing together. And so we blew that company up. We, it was a, it was a, what were the revs when you first got there? It was about 10 million and went to about 60 million. It was great. We, yeah. we had a, we had a great, we had a great ride and, uh, I fell in love with helping companies and helping people, growing people, growing companies. I absolutely fell in love with it. So I was what, there about six or seven years. What gave that guy years. the confidence to say, Hey, you come on and consult me. I think he had, he, you know, I was a customer of his. And so he had asked me some advice, business advice over the years. And, uh, man, I'll be honest with you, it just kind of spun from there. And then, you know, we had some wins pretty quick within the first few months. And it just started compounding from there. So the confidence grew quickly. Yeah. 
And what was your next gig following that? Uh, after that, uh, I had a software company, a buddy of mine. Uh, we bought a software company actually up here in, in New York, New Jersey, and uh, moved it down to North Carolina. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, got out of that. And since then, I've owned a couple of businesses and just done a bunch of short-term consulting jobs until about the last year where I've been involved in a pretty long consulting job. So how did you ever meet Keaton, the muscle? <laughs> so Keaton and I met because of the automotive industry. So I knew Keaton right when their show, I don't even know that it was on the network at that point, but they had, they had gained some popularity uh, online. And so we met because the business I was running was into diesel parts. And honestly, we just hit it off, man. We built a great friendship. And Rob Bailey gets mad how I throw this wood on the fire. Because you're not supposed to do that, are you? Yeah, he's upset about it. Yeah, he's probably upset right now. He's, it's about to fly in, that guy. <laughs> he is. So you said, hey, I'm going to go you know, over into this uh, supplement world. Was that an opportunity at the time? It you, was. You... So so Keaton, Keaton and I had owned a couple of businesses together. We owned a hormone therapy clinic together, sold it. Um, Let's, we got to go backwards real quick. Okay. So hormone therapy, I just started doing. Yep. Um, it's my second pin today. Like, what attracted you guys to that world? So I think experience of, of living with it ourselves. And so um, I've been on that on that hormone therapy journey for probably, I don't know, seven or eight years now. Are you now. still on tests? I am, yep. Every day? Yep. Well, not every day, but yeah. every week. What yeah. do you run a week? like? Um, I'm like a about a mill a week. So about, I think it's about the same as what you're doing. About a CC a week. Yep. So for people who like think, you know, test is so bad and it's going to kill you. It's going to accelerate cancer. It's life changing. And I want to talk about your weight loss journey. Sure. And we're jumping around. So Sorry. please bear with me. We both have ADHD. Remember? Oh, bad. <laughs> two, two kick dropouts, kick outs, whatever they want to call it. <laughs> they didn't know what it was when we were young. They didn't know what it was. They made it up. Yeah. Just so like we were over it. it. Well, we were. Uh... But you, you, you were on your own journey from a physical perspective. Yeah. How much weight did you lose? 100 pounds. Dude. 100 pounds. Wore size 46, had a size 22 neck. Yep. I weighed over 300 pounds. And when did you start the testosterone so, wellness process? Yeah. So I went through a divorce and, uh, and I just decided it was time to get healthy. You know, it's been a long time since I've been healthy. And uh, working in the corporate world, I just, just got lazy, got got Entertainment, fat. drinks, Absolutely. food. Abs- all of it. And so... And it's so easy to get wrapped up in the exclusive. Uh, oh, I got to go out with clients. Yep. I, I was there. Yep, there. And uh, so I decided I want to lose weight. So that's the first thing I did. I didn't, didn't take anything. Um, I just cleaned my diet up, started going to the gym. And worked really hard to end up losing the weight. And then uh, after losing the weight, I started getting real interested in just changing the body composition, like building some muscle, you know, trying to lean out. And so I had a trainer. It's hard to do with certain genetics. It is. It is. I'm not made up for it. So I had a great trainer, and the trainer for probably probably a solid year made me train with absolutely nothing. And then the results just kind of stopped. And so he said, you know what? Let's get some blood work done and see where you're at. At the same time, I was absolutely exhausted all the time. And I started having this mind fog. So I'm running these companies. I'm working 
you know, all hours of the day and I can barely hold my eyes open. And I just, I knew something wasn't right. So when got some blood work done and found out that my testosterone level was like 200. So obviously I knew automatically that was an issue. So got with a good doctor, started getting some treatment. You say that, but do you really know? Like, do people really know? Really know what? Like, all right, they're like, I'm at 200. Like, it's it's a big deal. I don't think most, at least American males, like, they don't know that that's a big problem. Most of them don't. Yeah, but I mean, really I don't. you know, when I owned that hormone therapy clinic, I mean, there was, I mean, we had 27, 28-year-olds come in with levels of 200. Wow, that's young. It is. It is. It is. It is. And I mean, it's it's not for everybody. For me, I just wanted my life back. I wanted I wanted to feel normal you know, again. Yeah, absolutely. And and the clarity. Um, your mood's better. Your sleep's better. Everything. 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 So, so at that point, you got on the I TRT. Did. I did. Yep. Um, I like to talk about it because I'm doing it now. Number one. Yep. Um, my lifestyle has changed drastically. I enjoy drinks. I have some drinks tonight. If friends are here, I have a, 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 an event coming on. I'm going to live life, dude. I could die tomorrow of a brain tumor. Um, but I'm always going to try to be better, little by little. And uh, I've been tired, man. I'm a fucking hardworking guy, pretty strong-minded. Um, if I didn't have TRT, you wouldn't beat me still. Uh, not you, but I'm saying generally. I was going to say I would beat you. You think? <laughs> but... When you start to hear these people that have come from the military background, the fitness background, a blue collar guy, whatever it may be, and they're like, hey, man, I got on some tests and uh, I've really changed my life. And you start hearing about like the, the medical community. And I'm not a medical expert for anybody who wants to challenge me who watches this, but they've lowered the testosterone rates. Um, it's changed a lot of people's life for it the is. better. Low T has more of a negative effect than taking some synthetic testosterone because that's the yeah. argument, right? Yeah. Oh, it's synthetic. No. Well, so I mean, is, what's so is blood pressure meds. So is fucking yeah. everything else if you're a fat piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, the alternative is, I mean, most doctors, hormone therapy is like taboo, but they would much rather give you all the prescription meds to mask all because the problems you taught, have man. because that's what they're, they're taught and that's what they get paid for. Um, you know, testosterone and TRT is relatively cheap. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'd much rather take testosterone than take antidepressants, any anxiety, and all those other medications. All day. So. That's just a quick shot in the ass. <laughs> or the arm. Or the leg. <laughs> I haven't done the arm yet. My one ass cheek's a little sore still. <laughs> I blame it on Phil. Maybe. So at that point, like, what were you, like, what were you forecasting for yourself? What did you want to go into? I knew eventually that I wanted to be a business owner, but but I think for me, I like the problem solving. So whether it's owning a business or helping somebody else out, I love finding the issues and finding ways to fix them. I love growing people. I love growing, you know, organizations. And so for me, I feel like I've always been focused on that more than just owning a business. Why? I think the satisfaction. You know, I've been on both sides of it. I've I've lived the warped sense of reality childhood. I got to the point where I had absolutely nothing and I worked my way back up to having things. I love stuff. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. I love buying stuff. I love you having toys. I love having Mustang money. Too. I love it. Man. I love that, that stuff. thing. 
Five O, man. I got to be original. Is it supercharged? Of course it nitrous? is. Of course. What is it? Supercharged. What's the What's the uppers? I can't tell nice you heads? everything, man. I can't Come tell on, you everything. You ain't racing that thing anywhere. <laughs> Come on, dude. I'm definitely not. That's my baby, man. That's my baby. But, uh, but you know, for me, it's the fulfillment of helping people. I absolutely love solving problems and helping people. I love so, it. talking about how we met through Keaton. Yeah. Going back to the muscle, we won't give him too much love. Not too much. His head gets Just too big. Just a little bit. Limitless Society. You run a, a call called uh, the Business Call. Yep. It's a panel of you, uh, Chase. Uh, Chase. Which is, I love Chase. Chase is a great dude. He's really a kind person. He is. Um, finding himself, digging out the trauma. And then another gentleman, Ryan. Yep. Um, you, uh, In my eyes, no offense to the other two guys, you brought the most value. Uh, I've been around a lot of finance people. I've been around a lot of business owners. I don't claim to know everything, but I've been around a lot of unique situations. Uh, I've talked about a lot of tax I've talked a lot about a lot about cash flow, and uh, every time you gave advice, I was like, "This guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's not bullshitting." There's a lot of people who fake shit. Um, you're not a fake person at all. What I think that you bring to the table, beyond any other business owner that I know, is what I have, which is that grit. Yep. Um, and when you have that grit, you took action. You failed, you learned, you failed, you learned. And uh, I'm going to bring it back to Keaton. And again, One Mission Nutrition, uh, which is a, a sponsor of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Vanilla. You guys are giving to me more. You Give, give <laughs> me a couple of proteins, a T-shirt or two. I'm happy. Really appreciate you guys. Absolutely, man. Um, how did that that all transpire? So uh, the One Mission deal was was. It, you know, again, it was just another opportunity that that came up that that Keaton had a partner. Uh, the partner, you know, just it just wasn't a good fit. There were some things going on. Keaton suspected there were some things going on. Uh, asked me to get involved and and start looking into things. Found some you know some things a little disheartening, and so I uh, had the opportunity to buy the other partner out, and so that's exactly what happened. So it just it just it just was an opportunity that came up. I helped them fix some things, and. Uh, opportunity came up for me to be in a part of it talk about the brand yeah what it's about man it you know it's an amazing brand when keaton started the company back in the day the whole point behind the brand um was to build the best supplements like that's what his goal was build the best supplements uh at the best price and give back to the military so a portion of all of our sales goes back to the military we ship products out uh, on a monthly basis do that absolutely yep leo uh, it could be military, whatever it is. A lot of times, military folks will contact us and say, hey, we're deployed. We'll send them supplements for free. We don't charge them a dime. So we, we, we take a lot of pride giving back to the military. How could Fireside and uh, WCC contribute to that directly to the veterans? Uh, buy our products, man. A portion of all our proceeds goes to donating products to the military. We take yeah. a lot of pride in that. So you're now involved in One Mission Nutrition. You're doing some consulting. Like, where's your life going? Like, what are you thinking? Where do you want to go from there? As many places as possible. Man, I, I you know, people ask me all the time, is it time to slow down? And I say, no. I, I love all of the things that I'm involved in. So I uh, started a clothing company a few years ago just, you know, just kind of teach my kids how to build a business. And what's it called? 50 by 2. 
all things this, 100%. Your t-shirts fit nice on me. I'm looking swollen. They look, I see them in your videos, man. You look great. I, I know. Put them on there, dude. <laughs> we got to get them on the podcast. We do. We do. Thing. We got to. We got to. Uh, but that's, you know, that's just kind of been a passion thing because that's my life. I live all things 100%. That's just, at the end of the day, that's me. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 100%. Otherwise, it's not worth doing it. So I'm going to take a quick break. Um, after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to dive a little bit into your childhood. Okay. Um, we're bouncing around, ADHD. But I, I, the biggest thing about this show that I think is important is teaching people that, like, all of us are fucked up. All of us come from different walks of life, different cultures. America's about freedom. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, yellow, whatever you are. Whatever your political stance is, that's cool, too. Uh, I may not agree with you, but in America, you can be free. And uh, no matter where you came from, you can go and accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. Like, you called me again at 5 o'clock and said, I'm hopping on my plane and flying up to Wall, and uh, I'm going to come hop on your podcast from where you came from. And, like, that's fucking awesome. And a lot of people will find inspiration. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into your personal life, if that's okay with you. Absolutely, man. You know, I always say that you can do anything. There's only one person that can stop you. It's yourself. You're capable of anything. I agree 100%. We'll Absolutely. be back in a minute. Taking a quick break in the podcast, I want to talk about the Pit 2.0. What is the Pit 2.0? It's made up of a huge network of people across all different industries that are solving problems, creating solutions, and also bringing together a lot of marketing and sales ideas. If you want to get into a Pit group like this, it's very inexpensive, $147 a month. If you want to learn more about it, check out the links and the information below. So jumping back in, um, we were talking about your childhood. Yep. And the things that created you to be who you are today. Um, what were some of the turbulent times in your life that uh, most affected you if, you, if you look back now as an adult? Yeah, looking back now, I think, you know, I saw my dad's work ethic. Um, you know, my dad wasn't home a lot. He worked a lot. At the time, I didn't really understand what that was all about. But then later in life, looking back at it, I realized that that work ethic was instilled in me at a very young age. You know, my dad was 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 gone a lot because he worked a lot, but he provided us a lifestyle that most kids never get to experience. Yep. So I'm thankful for that work ethic. So that was definitely a big point in my life. Um, I told you about the 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 time that I had to roll that change. That was a, a very pivotal moment in my life. Uh, the moment at school when I was asked to leave, very pivotal moment in my life. And I think even up to just a couple of years ago, losing my dad. Um, my dad and I were like best friends, super close. Um, I admired him, loved my dad. And my mom and I never had that relationship. My dad and I were super close. And uh, I moved back to take care of my dad because I knew something was wrong. My dad was old school, uh, lived on Coors Light and two packs, three packs of cigarettes a day. Bro, Coors Light, keep you moving, bro. <laughs> he told me that was the secret to his health was Mountain Spring. Work. Some of the top salespeople <laughs> in New York City crush Coors Lights all day. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. My dad was every single day. So I can uh, give a shout out to my father-in-law. He loves Coors Light. That's awesome. People run on Duncan. Jim runs on Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> Him and my dad would have gotten along really good. <laughs> they definitely would have. Uh, but I knew, I, you know, my dad was not a guy that goes to the doctor. Uh, he just worked, man. He worked hard. He worked into his 70s. I mean, he, a week before he died, he was working. He just, the dude just never stopped. Let's talk about that as a male, because yeah. I think that's a problem. 
It is. You know, I went and did this panel for the, the, the testosterone we were just talking about, and they do a deep panel, you know, like, what are your micronutrients? Like, what are you lacking? You know, is, is any of your number, your cholesterol, everything. You know, as males, we're so afraid to go to the doctor because we're control freaks, I think, in, fum, in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, simple, you know, blood work could really save your life. Absolutely. You know, we may not be super healthy, but if they can catch something in time, um, it's a big deal. I think at the end of the day, we as men are just prideful. You know, it's really hard for us to put our pride to the side and really make the right decisions because we get so caught up in it. We think we've got to be right about everything, but sometimes we need help from other people. Absolutely. So when you, you know, had that go on in your life, you've seen your father go through what he went through from rags to riches. You guys are rolling coins up in the house. What impacted you most? Like, what was your thought process as a 15, 16, 17-year-old? I didn't want to live like that. It, that, that it, it was so humbling to go from what I experienced as a child. It was embarrassing. And I just knew that I did not want to feel like that. So I'm going to move us forward to having businesses. Like, what was your first, like, real big income? Because all of us are, are striving to have seven figures, right? I, I fight for it all the time. Uh, I've made multiple seven figures, but I've spent, a, like, every bit of it. Um, <laughs> like, true story. Sure. Um, you know, people talk numbers. A lot of guys like to talk big numbers. Uh, I've averaged, you know, 400 to 750 the last few years. Uh, I think I do well over, you know, seven figures of income this year. Um, those are big numbers, but... Um, you know, 100,000 is a big number. It is. It is. You know, 150 it is. is a big number. Where, where was the number you started to say, okay, like Rollings can do it? I think, you know, back in the day, it was always six figures. Everybody always said 100,000. That was a lot of money. And of course, I'm 48. So back then, that was a lot of money. Uh, I think the first year that I made that 100,000, I think I was 20 or 21. And that was when I, I had that hunger and desire for more and more and more. I mean, granted, I've ridden the roller coaster too, you know, whether it was economy driven, whether it was, you know, personal, whatever it was, right? I've ridden that too. Um, but the taste of that first $100,000 a year definitely drove me to greater, you know, then it was, I wanted the 200000 or the 300000 or the half a million or the million, whatever it was, it was always that next point. But I say all that to say this, and we, we may differ on this, but I've truly gotten to the point in my life, I love money and I love things. But more than loving money and loving things, I love helping people. It brings me way more joy than seeing the check. I love the check, don't get me wrong, but I absolutely love helping people and helping businesses, and I love seeing the light come on people's eyes when they realize they can do more. So we may be at different income levels. Uh, we may not, I don't know, but I'm not done making more money. Uh, I'll never say that I am. I'm chasing down big goals. Sure. Anybody who says I can't do three mil, five mil, 10 million, they're fucking stupid. They're sleeping on me. And uh, those who sleep on me get slept. But what I will tell you is I will make that money because I turned around and I pursued a passion. This podcast, why we're here today, how yeah. I met you. Dude, I'm a fucking nobody. You know, if you made 500 grand last year, if I make 700 this year, if I make a million, whatever it may be, 
that's still chump change in the world of, uh, I mean. But relative. We don't have to talk about it. Like, you know, but the company that's on your, your chest today, what are the revs? They're, you know, it's big revs, man. Like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, what is it that I want? Um, I want to win. I want to constantly win. I want to help others win. I want to turn around and, and, and give people the ability to take advantage of what I learned. Yeah. And I see that in you. You, you show up to Limitless Society business goal for everybody that doesn't know, like, Rollins doesn't get paid, you know? And uh, you embody helping people. That's, that's why you're here. Um, I know a lot of people in that coaching world, you know, talk a lot of shit. They play a lot of games. There's no game for me to play to have you hanging out. Um, there's no game for you to sh- <laughs> busy as shit, fly up <laughs> to end your work day into Jersey, uh, hang out all day tomorrow to, to, to fly out quickly yep. after. Yep. You know, you're busy. Yep. Um, you have a beautiful wife at home. Yes. Was that like four weeks ago you got yeah, married? Just a little over a month. Yep. Little over a month. Five weeks, I think. Six weeks. Yep. I didn't get the invite, but that's okay. Sorry, man. Nobody did. <laughs> we actually eloped. How was the wedding? Talk about Key West. Man, it was great. It was great. So uh, I, I actually asked Amy to be my girlfriend, if you will. You know, we're old, so it's probably not as cool as it was when you were young. But uh, we went on a trip to Key West, and I, I instead of asking her to be my girlfriend, I said, hey, can I ask you something? She was like, what? I said, are you going to be a pain in my ass if I ask you to date me? <laughs> and she told me a lie. She said she wouldn't. But uh, so I thought it would be cool. We started planning a wedding. And it just, uh, it wasn't really the money. It was just the fact of like a hundred people at my house. It was just too much. So we just decided, let's just get away. Our kids are older. We asked our kids, they, they all said, yeah, just, just go do it. So we literally jumped in my plane, flew down to Marathon, hired a wedding planner, got married at sunset on a beach, beautiful ceremony, amazing place. How she great is Key West, man? Key West is awesome, man. If you've never been to Key West, you're really missing out. It's a cool place, man. We stayed Marathon, which which I love Marathon. They've got a great airport there, um, great restaurants, great bars. It's just a fun place to be. Uh, and the boat race just happened to be the same weekend. It hadn't been there in years, and it just happened to be the same weekend. So it was great. Ah, I think you're a coordinated guy. I mean, maybe. Maybe a little bit, but it was, <laughs> it was a great weekend. How was the race? It was phenomenal, man. The conditions were a little little rough. The wind was blowing like crazy. Listen, Key West is always rough. It is. Key yeah. West or bust. It was awesome. That was man. on the side of our boat going down That's awesome. years ago. <laughs> Papa Dukes, baby. That's awesome, man. Good place. So as you progress through your career and you hit these different bogeys and you're able to buy cars and, 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 and boats, at what point did you say, I want to take this to another level? Because you said you had your ups and downs, you were divorced. Um, recently, your, your, your kids lost their mother. Yes. Um, that's not easy to go through, right? Mm-hmm. You're divorced, but that doesn't mean you're happy that your kids lost their mother. And I saw you as a father taking your son out to Utah to FitCon. Yep. Um, talk about being a, a father of, you know, children who no longer have their, you know, blood mother. Yeah. It was tough, man. I, you know, that's not something you're prepared for. Uh, I pride myself on being able to navigate things. But I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of things that were tough to navigate. Losing my dad, my kids losing their mother. Uh, that was really a really difficult situation. We were married almost 19 years, so it wasn't, you know. How old when you got married? I was young, man. I'm like, I can't tell my age all the time. On, but, yeah, I was young. I was young. You still look young. That test I am keeps me looking good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's the one mission supplements. That's what it is. But uh, that's true. 
But yeah, man, so... Vanilla protein ice cream is delicious. I know. You tell me that all the time. I need another bag or two. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Take care. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a shock. It really was. Uh, their mother and I got along great. Um, we had no issues. We both came from broken homes. We decided, you know, when we when we made the decision to divorce, we decided we weren't going to be enemies. For the kids' sake, we were going to get along, and we did. We got along great. We had a great relationship. Um, so when they lost their mother, it was definitely a shock. It was a very very tragic situation. Um, but you know, you just you got to step up. You got to be there for them, and it's a really hard thing to navigate. There's no book. There's no instruction manual. Um, our family did some really shitty things. Um, and even still to this day, there's a lot of broken relationships over it. Um, All families have that. They do. They do. But Every single fucking family has it. My responsibility it. is my kids, man. That's what it's all about. I got to be there for my kids. And so That's all that matters. Thankfully, uh, my wife's amazing. She stepped into a very unfortunate situation and, and just took it like a champ man and she she's there for the kids just like their own mother it's been amazing you're a rock um i'm gonna move off the personal stuff i'm i'm gonna dive into business i'm gonna get people nuggets um rawlings is a smart guy i've listened to all your business calls um not live always um but we've been on a couple of panels together yep and uh one of the first things i realized is your ability to drill down into business so in a business you have two sides you have sales and you have operations and uh, those are only two things, but <laughs> inside operations, right, there's a lot of different Lots. things you need to hit. Inside sales, there's a lot of different things you need to hit. And you know a lot about both. And I want to talk about what you are best at inside what you're doing today for this company. Yeah. So you coming as a consultant, you know, what are they hiring you for? So usually companies hire me because maybe they... They want to scale, but they don't think they can do it themselves. Or maybe there's processes that are broken. Maybe there are, you know, areas that they're struggling. Explain the process that's broken, maybe. So maybe maybe it's, you know, the purchase flow. Maybe it's the sales flow. Maybe it's, you know, What's something in accounting. So, for instance, you know, when a company, I mean, every company operates the same, right? Everybody thinks that, that companies are so much different. But at the end of the day, all companies have the same heartbeat just like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's money in, it's money out. It's really not that difficult. Uh, we make companies difficult ourselves. So Overcomplication. We do. We do overcomplicate yeah. all of them. We're too um, smart. We do something different. Yep, yep. So for me, when I come into a company, I look at it from a completely different view. You know, as entrepreneurs, we get focused on one lane. You know, we're, we're so focused and we're, and we're so prideful, especially as men. Yeah. We think we know it all. We think we own a business. We know all the answers and there's nobody that can tell us anything different. Um, most entrepreneurs that remain thinking like that run it into the ground. Yeah, they lose their blind spots. Yeah. Nobody ever became successful without help from somebody else. It takes help sometimes. Sometimes that outside view makes all the difference in the world. So when I come in, uh, my goal is to expose the truth. Uh, I think that most business owners, they lie to themselves. You know, they, they just get caught up in the day-to-day -day and they just lie to themselves or they don't want to face the truth. I say this all the time. There's a lot of working in the business versus on the business. And I think that ranged true through, you know, a $500,000 business up to a $50 million business as a, uh, a CEO or an owner. The best thing that I learned in the last six months was EOS, uh, Entrepreneur Operating System. That's something that we operate inside Ryan's organization. 
And uh, it's the best thing I've ever, ever done because you don't know your blind spots. Yeah. You don't know where you're lacking. You don't know, you know, if you're not tracking the metrics of it. And as entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, we believe in our own upward mobility. As a guy working in the financial services space, I want to work with a business owner who will stroke a big check because he's not worried about what the future will hold. Right. So when you're battling with those types of egos, how do you come in and say, hey, I'm going to like, take this crash landing you know, G7 and, and put it down smoothly? Like, What do you say to the owner? So the first thing, it's kind of unique. So when I engage with a client, the first thing I say is, you've got to give me the keys. I won't work for you. I won't work with you unless you give me the keys. I've got to have free reign to do what I think needs to be done. Uh, If for whatever reason we don't agree, we can talk about it. But it has to be my way or no way. That's just the way I work. Because for me, I believe in what I'm doing. And if I don't have keys, I I can't be successful there. And the other thing is, I don't want to be a part of a business that's not successful. I feel like I've got a great track record. I don't want to ruin that. So... When I go into a company, we have that conversation first. And then from there, uh, I start the dig. You know, and, and when I start to dig, I, I'm pretty methodical about the way that I do it. I try do you to start with I always start with P and L's, I always start with the financial side of it, and then I start going through the operation side of it. Usually when they run side by side, I'm usually finding things in the financials. And it's What's usually the biggest red flags on the financials. It, the numbers don't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, they just cued them in. It's it's always something just ridiculous. And so I'll ask questions. And usually when I start asking the questions, it just start exposing other things. At the same time, when I'm working with a company, I work with the employees and I start doing a lot of Q&A with the employees. And we start you know talking about how they do things day to day. I'll start shadowing them and I start to expose things there. Again, I'm not there malicious. I'm there to help. Um so it's, 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 you know, people think consulting is easy, but it's really not. It's, it's hard. It's really, hell. really difficult. The You're only, this random guy coming into the Nobody business. likes change. Yeah. Nobody. So it's, it's very, very difficult. So for me, um, I've done it so much now that it's, it's like a game to me. It's like a challenge. When I come into a company, I want to find things. I want to expose things, and I want to fix things, and I want to fix people. So like the opportunity I'm working on in Maryland now, it's it's absolutely been so much fun because the people have embraced the change. What are the revenues that that company does again? I don't want to share that, but it's I mean it's a very successful company. Yeah, it's two actually sell? two companies. So one of the companies does fleet repair services. Uh, so they have uh, they do fleet repair for big big organizations, and then the other company is a performance products uh, manufacturer. So we have these big machines that build all kinds of parts. Like in the aviation space? No, they actually actually in the automotive industry. So, so everything's, you know. Pretty much everything is automotive. We're tapping into some aerospace stuff now. Um, we've got some big potential contracts we're working on now for aerospace government stuff. Government or state? Government, yeah, yeah. That's great. pretty cool are, stuff. Are you playing a role in, in those contracts? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's crazy from a business owner perspective. Like, hey, I'm throwing this over to, you know, rolling to fully take over you know, it's the only way it works. You know, it's, it's, it's the only way it works. I have to have that trust and I have to have that confidence from the owner. Otherwise, like I said, if I can't run the company like it's mine, I can't be successful there and I won't take the opportunity. Yeah. What do you see yourself doing five years from now? Um, winding down what I'm doing now. Yeah. I think, I think at some point I'm going to be ready to slow down a little bit and probably take on some smaller projects. Um, 
but doing the same thing. I, I, I'm actually in a spot in my life where I absolutely love what I'm doing. Yeah, you're ready to like, I don't need $100 million. I'm cool. You have a beautiful place. Great view. I love what I do, man. People I like numbers, though. So like, if you set a, a liquidity number, what would it be in your mind? I've never even thought about it. So you're like, hey, if I could just cover my bills. No, I mean, I'm not going to say that. I, you know, again, I always, I always push myself to do better and better and better. But it's just once you obtain a certain amount of wealth, it's just not as much about money anymore as it is about happiness. Um, you know, I don't think I'll ever retire. I don't think that's me. I need to be engaged. I need to be doing something. But I think for me, the shift is doing more of what I want to do on a daily basis. You know, I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to help maybe more people locally or or maybe, you know, doing some remote stuff, but maybe not being on site so much. Um, but I don't see myself ever stopping helping people. I think that's you my have, calling. Do you have any other team besides yourself? I do. I do. I've got a couple other employees that help and it's really been cool because when I started doing consulting, it was just me and I had to source all the help. But now I've got a team. So when I do consulting jobs, I can bring the team. It adds a lot of value and we can get a lot more done a whole lot quicker. So we talked about P&L. We talked about operations. Again, if you can look at a company, let's just say $5 million to $50 million, what's like the top priority thing that all of those business owners should be looking at today? Um, I think it's people. You know, I think I think we lose sight of the fact that our employees are truly the key to us growing our businesses. Uh, it's so easy to forget that. You know, we 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 look at them as numbers, we look at them as paychecks, but they easy are to do. It is, it is, but they are the tool to help us accomplish our goals. And I think we lose sight of it easy. So I think people. How do you think this small business? Because that's a problem across the board: food, service, you know, construction, you know, finance, yeah. all of it. How do you turn that around? What would be your idea? As far as the people goes? No, the employees. Oh, the employees? I think you got to invest in them. You know, people do things for their reasons, not yours. And I think you've got to learn what their reasons are. It's interesting. There was a time in my life where I thought money was really the driver of every employee, but it's not. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many employees just want to pat on the back. They so want to be a part of something. They do. They do. And so when I hire people, I ask them. I'm looking for long-term employees. It costs me $10,000 to hire an employee. I want to make sure that you're here for the long haul. I want to make sure you share in our passion. I take a long time to hire people. I do a minimum of three interviews. Hire slow, fire fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when I build a team, when I work to build a team, I truly care about the employees and I make sure that they know that. So I'm going to dive into like softwares a little bit um, just for nuggets. I'm trying to, you know, pull the nuggets out of you. Sure. Um, and what I've seen in the coaching space, it's been different dashboards, um, different ways to promote your business, marketing, CRMs, making sure they all properly plug into each other. So, and, you know, again, you don't have to talk too much detail about the company with sure. today. Um, but what are the systems and software that you are working with mainly? So, I mean, you know, it's like every business that's out there, everybody struggles with the same thing. A lot of people have struggles with accounting platforms. So many companies are, are QuickBooks and been QuickBooks forever, and it's so hard to pull people out of QuickBooks. It's hard to migrate from QuickBooks to begin with. Um, so probably every company I work with, I struggle with that. It's always it's always an ongoing issue is figuring out, you know, if we can get them out of QuickBooks and how to do that efficiently. What, what company are you using 
I like NetSuite as a great, great platform. There's other ones. There's plenty of good ones. It really depends on the business and what they're trying to accomplish. E-commerce business is a whole different animal than a you know retail business. Yep. So it really just depends on what's going on. What's different? Uh, e-commerce wise, there's just a lot of items that need to be plugged into it. A lot of different, you know, whether it's shipping, whether it's purchasing, whatever, there's just so many different moving pieces. And NetSuite, for whatever reason, seems to have it together. They plug in the page your payments? You have to check, man. You better get Dylan to call him. <laughs> so obviously, everything you've done as a, you know, a, a son, a brother, dad, um, what is the most important thing that you want to do moving forward in business and in life? I just, uh, you know, one of the greatest compliments is, I think you shared it, is just being real. I want people to know that I genuinely want to help. Like, you know, I'm not a bullshit guy. I want to see people grow. I want to see people get the vision that I had when I was young and I was told I was never going to amount to anything. And I pushed through a lot of adversity. I overcame a lot of obstacles. And I'm very fortunate where I am today. And I want to, I want people to share that same passion and desire, not feel like they're stuck in a rut because their family you know, isn't wealthy or they didn't go to a good school. I think you need to say it louder because no one knows. Dude. Because I feel, I feel that from you. They do. They do. And I, I, you know, and I think that's, maybe that's the next step is, is really promoting that truth. Yeah. Anybody you do really well with it. Yeah. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. So I'd like to ask a couple questions rounding out towards the end. Okay. Um, First question is, uh, well, really more of a, a statement. You want to give some other people some love. They could be e-com, um, could be people we know mutually. Um, give us a couple shout-outs. Obviously, we talked about One Mission. Yeah, so... Uh, we one... didn't talk about Redcon or, or, or Bailey or <laughs> Flagner Fell at all yet. Nah, Rob's a great guy, good friend of mine, um, uh, and I appreciate friendship. You know, we I think that's something we brought up when we first met. I don't, Real take, I don't take that word lightly. I, I You know, my friends... Uh, my inner circle, my group, my people, I take that really seriously. I appreciate friendships. Um, you know, we mentioned Keaton a couple of times. Keaton's been a great friend of mine for years, uh, and I definitely value that friendship. Rob. Like that friend you want to punch in the face, but you still love him. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure he feels the same about us. I'm sure he feels the exact same way about us. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next question I'd like to ask is, if you could tell a young girl or guy, um, going into business, one thing, what would it be? Take your passion and fuel it, whatever it is, and stick it out. You know, I think so many entrepreneurs today and young business people just give up so quick because it's not easy. The world of social media, we look and we see these businesses and we think they grew overnight. And I know there's some exceptions, but most of the time we don't understand the background of what took Grind. those companies to get there. And so a lot of young entrepreneurs, they, they give up too quick. And sometimes it's right before the next win. Yeah, it's so true. It is. Well, listen, this has been a great talk. Enjoy I, I could try to pull all different types of nuggets, personal stuff out of you. Um, you're a busy guy. You flew up literally at 5 o'clock in your plane. I really appreciate it, Rollings. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. Appreciate the friendship. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to learn more about it, check out the links below.